But in our Bible class this morning, uh, we begin in Romans chapter 13, uh, the duty of our subjection and obedience to civil authority. This is a, a very hard one. It's, always, it's been hard for people since the beginning, I, I suppose. It's been very hard for people to submit to uh, civil authority. But the Lord wants us to, and he wants us to for good reason. That's the only way to maintain a, a, a polite society. So uh, whether we want to or not, uh, it's our obligation to do so, and we'll discuss that first. Verse 1, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. The authorities that exist are appointed by God. I want to do a little background of this and why it was uh, so very important. And all the Bible writers deal with this subject, believe it or not. Uh, the Jews, of course, they disapproved of Rome's dominion over them. Uh, they didn't think anybody had the right to uh, rule over them because they were God's people. And in their minds, that gave them a, a special place in the world. And they had a, a, a great discontent for Rome at this time because they were the ones governing. But it don't matter uh, who it would have been, they would have despised anyone. Uh, and something had to be done. Some thought it was wrong to pay taxes to Caesar. Uh, that becomes apparent from a question Jesus was asked one time. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? People were divided. A lot of people thought, well, you shouldn't pay taxes to Caesar. Caesar is the enemy of Israel, and if you pay taxes to Caesar, you're, in essence, you're fighting against Israel. So a lot of people just thought it was wrong, uh, and there was a lot of reasons why they felt that way. Insurrections uh, continued among the Jews uh, after... Uh, uh, well, actually, during the time that the Bible was written, insurrections were taking place all over the empire. Uh, Jews, uh, the zealots in particular, and, and there would be followers, uh, they, were, they were just absolutely fed up with Rome, and they were fighting all over the place, kind of like it is now in our country. We see all these fights taking place in these major cities. Well, that's the way the Jews were uh, back in the first century. They were rising up against Roman authorities. Uh, they were robbing rich Roman citizens. They were assaulting uh, the Roman legions, uh, one by one, of course. Uh, they, were, they were attacking uh, in, in small measure, but uh, it, was, uh, it was an effective uh, way of uh, disputing uh, with Rome. In Acts 18 and 2, we're told that it got so bad that Claudius commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. Now, you want to keep in mind that uh, the Roman authorities uh, believed that Christians were all Jews. They thought it was just a sect of Judaism, like the Pharisees or Sadducees. And uh, for that reason, they detested the Christians. Uh, a lot of the Christians, you know, were Gentiles. But because they were Christian, they were believed to be Jewish proselytes, and they were even run out of, out of Rome. So at this time, Claudius commanded, he was the, uh, not the Pharaoh, he was uh, the king of uh, the empire, 
at this particular time, and he commanded all Jews to depart from Rome. Uh, Christians were regarded as a Jewish sect, as I just mentioned. They had their own Messiah and king. They refused all pagan celebrations. They were considered an enemy of the state because of their beliefs. Uh, Christians needed to be cautioned and taught to obey the law of the land. This is why all the Bible writers write about the matter. Uh, Christians had to somehow get along with uh, Caesar. Uh, it's kind of like uh, President Biden said the other day, uh, talking about uh, people wanting to have their ARs and it protects them from the government. And he said, how foolish that is. We got F-16s and they're, they're relying on ARs to protect them. Uh, Christians, uh, if they raised up in revolt against the government, don't stand a chance. Be squished like a bug. And uh, therefore, Paul and other writers are telling them to get along. It's kind of like it was with slavery. You know, a lot of people fought the Christ because he didn't just come out and condemn slavery. What would have happened had he condemned slavery? They would have raised up, rebelled, and been destroyed. In, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, they would have been slaughtered, men, women, and children. The worst possible thing to do at this time was to condemn slavery. The worst possible thing to do at this time was to encourage a revolt against Rome. Why? Because there was no way of winning. You're going to lose, and it's better to live and cast your light upon society than it would be to rise up against Caesar and be squished like a bug. Uh, people, when they get angry, when, they, when they're tired of being tired, uh, they don't think clearly. They, they, they think about drawing blood. Uh, it doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. So the Christians, uh, they, they had to be encouraged, apparently on a regular basis, uh, to submit themselves to Caesar because Caesar works for the Lord. The Lord appointed Caesar. If you, if you fight Caesar, you're fighting the Lord. So you can't do that. You'll notice that in all the various texts that deal with obedience to civil authorities, they all emphasize the same thing. He is God's minister, don't fight him. As citizens of Christ's new kingdom, there were some Christians uh, who probably didn't see a need to obey Rome. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. What is this Roman king? He's nothing in comparison to the king of the kingdom. And they didn't feel like they needed to submit to such a man. Uh, Jesus was going to return very soon. They would be uh, removed. This was their thinking. Uh, apparently, it, it was common thought amongst uh, Christian people at this time that Christ was coming back during their lifetime. That's one of the points that Paul makes in the Thessalonian letter, the first one, chapter 5, is uh, that Christ isn't coming back just like that. It could be generations away. Uh, don't quit your job. Keep on working because uh, the Lord may not come back in your lifetime. Uh, 
uh, he had to explain that to them. And this is the way a lot of Christians thought. Uh, why submit to Rome? King Jesus will arrive shortly. Uh, there was a lot of incorrect thinking going on, and because of that, uh, people were probably behaving in the wrong manner, and Paul's trying to calm it down, especially in Rome. He's trying to calm this down. You want to keep in mind now, this is a generic rule. There's a difference between the generic rule and specific rules. A generic rule is the idea situation, okay? But sometimes the idea situation is impossible. It goes beyond your ability to uh, uh, get along with it. And sometimes, therefore, you're going to have to go to war with Caesar. Of course, it'll be a, a war of words, but uh, sometimes you just can't do what Caesar wants you to do. Uh, and this is uh, discussed in other places throughout the scriptures. Uh, we'll look at just a few. Uh, Paul rebuked the saints, for example, for going before Caesar's court and his judges. He said, uh, dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Why wouldn't you let the, the church judge your problem? Why go before a bunch of pagans and let them dole out the proper decision? Wouldn't you be more apt to get justice if you went before the brethren? But they weren't going before the brethren. They weren't settling their matters that way. Instead, brother was taking brother to court. Now, as a general rule, that would be true. Sometimes that's not possible. One brother may not abide by the decision of the church. It has to be technically a, an official decision handed down by government. Uh, so there, there are going to be exceptions to that rule. But as a general rule, uh, such matters between brethren ought to be settled within the church and not go out before the community as a whole. Uh, Peter and John, they rejected the Sanhedrin's order. Uh, they were arrested because they were teaching about Jesus and the things Jesus had said. In Acts 4, 19 and 20, they were told not to speak in this man's name again. We don't want to hear what he has to say on anything. And Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Don't talk about this guy. We don't want to hear this stuff anymore. It's the same thing you see going on today. Uh, you talk about homosexuality. That makes you a, a homophobe. You become a, a, in some places, you are the enemy of the state if you teach such thing. I know some preachers up in the Northeast have been arrested for it. Quoting passages from the, the Bible wherein homosexuality is condemned. And the list goes on. Uh, Today, uh, you know it as good as I do, uh, bad is called good, good is called bad. 
you got now these children being taught by uh, their teachers whether or not they're a boy or a girl. They got to make a decision. A child may be in the third grade and the teachers instructing them, trying to help them figure out what they are. And in some cases now, but it's with the parents' permission, in some cases now little boys are being gastrated. And little girls are having things done to them that needs to be done to make them into a boy. It's called good. In truth, it's, it's bad. There's so many things, that women and men using the same bathrooms. There's so many things going on right now. To us, it seems nuts. But some people are advocating this very seriously. And of course, the government, government is bringing the hammer down on all these things. Parents right now, Virginia, who, who, who stand up and speak in a parent-teacher meeting, and they don't want their children being taught how evil America is. They want history to be taught, but they don't want this other nonsense to be taught. And they're labeled by the federal government as domestic terrorists. And they're being investigated by the FBI. That's the only state I know of right now where this is taking place, but it is taking place. There are so many things that we believe as Christian people that those who detest Christianity despise. And the day is coming closer and closer and closer where we're going to find ourselves in the same position as Peter and John. Don't speak these things anymore. But what are we going to do? Well, we'll do the same thing Peter and John did. We might turn off the microphone. We might cut off the cameras. But we can only teach the word of God. We have nothing else to teach besides the word of God. But we could very well be labeled enemies of the state. What do you do? Do you listen to the government? Do you obey the government? Do you submit to the government when they tell you not to preach in Jesus' name anymore? Well, Peter and John didn't. They said they've got to speak what the Lord spoke. And that's all there was to it. So it's a generic rule that we're talking about in Romans 13. Some people go crazy. They say it's a flat-out bottom-line rule. No, it's not. It's generic. And uh, I get a lot of emails over this remark. <laughs> I guarantee it. Isolated situations and the way God's people dealt with them are found in the scriptures where they did not obey Caesar on occasion. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Notice the plurality of the word authorities. There's more authorities than just one. It's plural. There are multiple authorities. Of course, in government, you've got what well, we got, federal government, we got a state government, we got a city government, we got a county government, uh, we got a government for all occasions. Uh, they are different authorities. 
So when you speak about it, of course, you're going to speak about it in the plural form. And this is what Paul's got on his mind. He's talking about civil authorities. But there are more authorities in the world than just civil authorities. And uh, I think we're going to touch on that uh, in our worship the next hour. In Titus 3 and 1, <clears throat> remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work. This wasn't going down so well with the Christians. They didn't like this rule. Peter said in 1 Peter 2, 13 and 14, Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme, to governors, as to those who are sent by governors, for the punishment of evildoers, for the praise of those who do good. The writers, all the writers, talk about the need to submit to civil authorities. Therefore, uh, they needed to. Some people believe that because civil authority uh, is ordained by God, that means the civil authority is a good thing. Well, no, it's not. Civil government is a bad thing. The, the worst possible situation is to be governed by government. The Israelites had a king. He was God. That's the only authority over them was God. But they wanted to have a king. They demanded a king. And Jehovah told uh, Samuel, Now therefore, heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. And then he lays out all the problems that's going to arise because they've introduced government, civil government, into uh, the kingdom of God on earth. Uh, as it was, they had a great king, a perfect king, a king who could deliver them from any situation, a king that knew what lay down the road, what the problems might be, what the problems would be. He knew how to avoid those problems and save the people a lot of grief and sorrow. There was no better government in all the world than the government that Israel had. And they wanted to chunk that government and get them a human government because they wanted to be like all the nations round about them. They wanted to have a king who rode in his fancy chariot, who was followed by a bunch of soldiers running on foot. They wanted the trumpeteers. They wanted all the pomp and ceremony that went along with having a king. But Jehovah warned them you're making mistakes. Sometimes you may want to read it because this is what the king is going to do to you. He's going to cause you more grief than you ever imagined. That's what civil government does. They take away your freedom. Every time they make a law, they take away your freedom. It's not good, civil government. It's necessary, but it's not good. And the purpose, as you see, of civil authority, primarily the dominant purpose, is to exalt the good and punish the evil, protect the good from the evil. That's the value of a civil authority. But after that, well, let's face it, we're at the mercy of human beings. 
and uh, you know how that goes. Uh, you know how that goes. Jesus and Paul were both murdered by civil authorities. Nevertheless, they encouraged people to obey the civil authorities. They both knew they would be killed. Jesus knew that the Roman government would crucify him. Paul knew that the Roman government was going to lift his head. Both men knew that they would be falsely charged and executed by the civil government. Nevertheless, it was imperative that the Christians obey civil authority because if they rebelled, they could be snuffed out in a moment. So they needed to get along. They didn't have to like it, but they had to get by the best way they could. <clears throat> Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. Verse 2, whoever resists the authority, that is because the authority has been appointed by God, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. When you resist paying taxes, for example, you sin against God. God ordained the authority, and if the authority is going to charge you tax money, you're obliged to pay the tax money because it's the same as if you were paying it to God himself. So we are to obey the laws of the land. Otherwise, we'll be found guilty of violating the law of God. Those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Uh, we'll bring judgment on ourselves because the authorities will punish us for breaking law, but we're also going to bring divine judgment against us because it's the will of God that we obey the civil authorities. So if we reject it, we're rejecting God and we shall be judged because we've rejected the will of God in the, in the final analysis. Rulers are not a terror to good works. Now this is the ideal situation. Uh, it's not reality. It's the way it's supposed to be. Rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Evil people are the ones that should be afraid. Uh, Good people should not be afraid. But when I see the IRS humble hire 78,000 agents, uh, I kind of tremble a little bit. Rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do you not want to have to look over your shoulder all the time to see if the authority is going to arrest you for evil doing? Well, do what is good and you will have praise from the same. That's the idea situation. We're not gonna be praised for condemning homosexuality. Caesar will not praise us for exposing sin, but quite to the contrary, he will condemn us for it. So Paul's talking about the ideal situation doesn't mean that's the way things are going to be because they're supposed to be uh, a terror against uh, evil doing and reaping praise on those who do well 
because that's what they're supposed to do doesn't mean that's what they're going to do. As you and I both know, most people violate the law of God every single day. Violating this law would probably be a small thing to most. He is God's minister to you for good. He works for the Lord. But if you do evil, be afraid. He does not bear the sword in vain. That's a reference to capital punishment. Uh, Caesar's been authorized to use capital punishment when required. That's what the sword was for. It was for cutting off the head, which was the final step in a person's execution. Someone like Paul, for example. Uh, when you've been found guilty of certain crimes, you could be put to death. And the Lord is saying that this is part of the role of Caesar, is to execute punishment even to the point of requiring a person's life. He is God's minister. He works for God. The word minister, some people think that means preacher. No, it doesn't mean preacher. It means a minister, a servant, okay? Uh, people call themselves, uh, I'm a minister of God. Well, we're all ministers of God, you know? That's what ministers do. They serve. Uh, so he's not talking about uh, like a preacher is a minister of God. He's, he just works for God. He serves God. He carries out the will of God. He is God's minister, and as such, he is an avenger, one who executes wrath on him who practices evil. He has the blessings of heaven to do what he needs to do in, when it comes to punishing people, even to the point of capital punishment. So you kind of run into a wall right there when, you, when you're against capital punishment. Uh, I'm against capital punishment in, 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 in the big picture, okay? Because uh, I believe uh, with all my heart that a lot of people have been executed uh, not because they were guilty, but because they were convenient. And because somebody had to pay for the crime, sometimes some people have been executed. We know this has taken place. Uh, it's been exposed, and I forgot what the number is, a few hundred people at least, that we know were executed, not because they did wrong, but simply because they were convenient. And for that reason, I oppose capital punishment. Uh, then on the other hand, some people commit crimes that are so heinous and they are so guilty that I have no problem with capital punishment whatsoever. Uh, it doesn't bother me that such a character would have to lose their life because of what they've done to some people. Some of the crimes people commit, oh my, it's so unbelievable. I always think about the mental anguish some people have had to suffer because of what somebody may have come into their house and done to them. And I tell you what, it breaks my heart. Uh, just the thought of how terrified them folks had to have been. Mm-mm, so bad. And then, uh, I have no problem with capital punishment at that time. So I guess I'm for it and I'm against it. <laughs> I'm against it in general, but 
those situations where there's no doubt whatsoever and the crime is very heinous, uh, I have no problem at all. Terrible, terrible thing. He is God's minister to you, the person who does good, for good. Therefore, he does not bear the sword in vain. He has a purpose. There's a reason. Evil has to be punishment. Punished. Uh, if it's not punished, things will get worse and worse and worse. Uh, something has to be done. He's an avenger to execute wrath, the wrath of heaven on him who practices evil because God is angry and he wants something done. Therefore, you must be in subjection, not only because you're afraid of suffering the wrath of government, but also for conscience's sake, because God told you to obey this. And if you don't obey it, you're gonna wound your conscience because you know you violated God's law. So you're gonna suffer at the hands of men and you're gonna suffer because of your knowledge of God. And every time you go to bed, you're gonna think about those sins and pray to God that you don't meet him that night. For because of this, you also must pay taxes. That's the one that always hurts me, taxes. Uh, but you gotta pay taxes. I mean, common sense tells us that, right? Government can't work if we don't pay taxes. And we are to pay taxes. They work. Uh, policemen, they, they, they've gotta have salaries just like everybody else. I don't begrudge paying taxes, those folks. Uh, for the people who actually work, uh, I don't begrudge that at all, as a matter of fact. I know it's necessary to uh, get by and survive, but you know it's the waste, I think, that makes most of us cringe. They are God's ministers attending continually, constantly, all the time uh, to this very thing, especially the policemen. Uh, they're always working on our behalf. Render, therefore, therefore, because they are God's ministers to you for good. Render, therefore, to everything they're due. Taxes are to be paid to those whom collect taxes. Customs, that's um, import tax from another country. You know how at the airport you have to go through customs? Well, this is what customs is. If you're in business and you import this from that country, you have to pay taxes on it. You're not supposed to smuggle it into the country. Uh, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Uh, submit whatever they're due because this is God's will for you. This would not go over well in the first century. It won't go over well today. Uh, most of us violate uh, the civil law. Uh, we don't agree with it. Uh, well, abortion, for example, uh, I, uh, my toenails disagree with abortion. And I know that much of the money I give the government is gonna be used for abortions. And uh, that makes me cringe and my hair turns gray. Uh, nevertheless, 
uh, there's nothing I can do about it except pay my taxes. Uh, we know we're getting ripped off in a large measure, but what do you do when you know you're getting ripped off? You pay your taxes. What are you going to do? You can't fight City Hall and win. What do you do? You pay your taxes. That's what the Lord wants you to do. Uh, his way is the best way. I may not understand it. I don't. But I do know that God's way is the best way. And if he wants me to pay my taxes, I'm going to pay my taxes. Uh, I haven't cheated on taxes since I've become a Christian. Before I was a Christian, I cheated on my taxes all the time. But since I became a Christian, I quit cheating on my taxes, and I started paying whatever they required. Uh, it's painful. But this is the will of God that we do it. I want to go to heaven. I mean, I really want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven more than I don't want to pay my taxes. And if I have to pay my taxes to please God, then I'm going to pay my taxes. And so should you. We obey the law of the land because the Lord told us to. We're immersed in water for forgiveness of sin because the Lord told us to. We do what we do because the Lord told us to do it. We don't have to like it. There's, there's a, a lot of law given by God that people didn't like. God told Abraham to offer up his son Isaac as a sacrifice. I'm pretty confident that Abraham did not like that law. But God told him to do it, so he did it. Because if God told him to do it, it was the best thing for the moment. And that's the only way we can look at things. Any questions or comments? I'll get this complaints. I'll get after this will be from uh, preachers. <laughs> they won't like this much at all. Okay. Uh, again, this is a generic rule. Please keep that in mind. We have to distinguish between generic rules and specific rulings. Otherwise, we might think we see a contradiction somewhere. But this is the way, uh, this is the way it is. Jesus called Herod a fox. That's the equivalent of calling him a varmint. <laughs> he didn't like Herod, obviously, but he paid taxes. <clears throat> Number four. Mortality secured and the law fulfilled by love. Uh, the most powerful thing of all. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. The key word here obviously is the word owe. Owe no one anything. What exactly does that mean? That means you can have no debts. That means it's a sin to borrow money. I remember back years ago, I worked at Deco up in Cookville, and uh, there was a Pentecostal preacher worked there. He said he was a Pentecostal preacher. I don't know if he really was or not. Kind of looked a little on the fringe to me. Uh, but he said it was a sin to borrow money. And me, I was just a fresh out of the water Christian. I just had been born again. I didn't know anything. And uh, he told me it was a sin to borrow money. And here I am. I got a, a, 
a debt for my house, and probably one for my car, I don't remember. But uh, I'm, I'm up to here in debt, and he told me it was a sin to borrow money. And uh, he showed me why it was a sin to borrow money. He showed me this. And he tore me all, uh, all the pieces. I didn't know what in the world I was going to do, uh, how I was going to get out of debt. Uh, he really messed up my mind that day. Uh, fortunately, I, I learned uh, actually what the text means, and that's what we're going to talk about. Oh, no one anything. Uh, verse 9, for the commandments, you should not commit adultery, you should not murder, you should not steal, you should not bear false witness, you shall not covet. Look at all the you shall nots that are in the commandments. The idea being pressed is that you shall not wrong other people. That's the idea pressed by the Lord throughout the scriptures. Why? Well, you love your brother, therefore you're not going to wrong him. Now keep in mind that principle applies to owe no one anything. Don't wrong anyone. Well, let's take it apart and see what comes of it. Uh, when you think about owe no one anything, uh, I don't know what I've got coming next. Uh, Paul sums it up down here. If there's any other commandment, uh, they're all summed up in this. Namely, <clears throat> you shall uh, love your neighbor as yourself. What does it mean to owe no one anything? If you borrow money and you set it up on monthly installments, uh, every month you got to pay $750 uh, for this house. So you pay your $750 for September. Do you owe anyone money? The answer is no. You, why? You paid it according to the agreement. You were supposed to pay $750 a month. You paid $750. You, you, you kept your part of the, the agreement. So, strictly speaking, you owe no one nothing. For that 30 days, that's your house. If you don't pay it, I mean, it's going to go back to the person you borrowed the money from. But as long as you pay it, that's your house for that 30 days. You're responsible for what takes place that 30 days. That landlord or the bank or whatever, they can't just come into your house and look around your house because it's not their house. It's your house, at least for that 30 days until you pay the next payment. And then, again, you owe no one anything. To owe no one anything is to not be indebted to another person because you haven't fulfilled your end of the bargain. It has to do with not wronging anyone, even a bank or a lending institution. And as long as you're keeping your part of the bargain, you haven't wronged them. And you owe them nothing for 30 days. So what he told me that day, he used out of context. And uh, I did all that sweating for nothing. Uh, are there any questions over that one? I get a lot of questions over that because a lot of people like me, I think, are set up for the fall. <laughs> but uh, there's nothing to worry about there. It's, but you, you know, you got to pay it. 
you know, month by month, you got to pay it, and then you are not uh, uh, guilty of not keeping your end of the bargain. Love, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. A person who loves God and loves their neighbor as their self is going to go to heaven. That's why Jesus struck them as the first and the second great commandment. And whoever keeps those two commandments, he's kept, fulfilled all that's contained in law. And at first I, I had a hard time with it, but when you think about it, the person who loves God with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength, this person is going to do whatever God wants him to do. And a person who loves his neighbor as himself, he's not going to wrong his neighbor. He's only going to do what's good for his neighbor. Now a person whose mind is set to do whatsoever the Lord would have him to do and to treat his neighbor as himself, what in the world is this person going to be found guilty of? And the answer is nothing. It's the fulfillment of law. And that's what uh, Paul is making mention of here. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Love is the fulfillment of the law. Okay, I'll hush so we can get on with it. I'm going to sit still for a minute.